Welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altador, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. another episode of Fampale Podcast, where we have story time again, and we have a special guest with us today. Michelle is a certified intuitive mindset coach. She holds certifications in life coaching and is a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher. She has been nicknamed the everyday empathy coach because she has a knack for blending the linear mind with the spiritual soul. She's on a mission to make sure no one suffers in silence. Michelle, thank you for being a guest. How are you today? I'm doing great. I've already been having fun. The little pre-chat has been great. So (laughs) I think this is going to be good. I'm doing good today. Good. It's always good. I had very positive guests on and, you know, I'm shocked to even be honored that people are willing to share their story with me and allow my listeners to tap in to a portion of their life because it's hard for some people triggers. And I had one woman almost cry. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's so, I think it's really fascinating if we really think about it. Like if we go back, we really have been connecting through our stories for years. Like even in the caveman days, you know, they would draw pictures Mm-hmm. to connect each other. And this is one of my missions, which is, I think is so important is that connection cures. And exactly. when we feel like we have a connection with people that helps us feel so much like we are not alone. And so I do think it's important for all of us to have the opportunity to share our stories. And so people like you give us the chance. So thank you. It's wonderful. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I'm going to pass you the mic. If you want to add more to what I said, let the people know who you are and start with your story. Okay, so I am Michelle Oxton. Like you said, I am a certified intuitive mindset coach. I have actually been studying intuitive practices since I was 16, and that's that's 30 years. So you guys can all do the math. Um, I'm in my 40s. So I've been studying intuitive practices for quite some time, and I absolutely love it. It's how I lead my life, and I help other people really design their life by intention with intuition and really tapping into who you are and what your needs are, what your triggers are. Everybody's so different and working through that, break those patterns that we keep repeating so that we can live these very authentic lives. That's an awesome gift that you have. You're not the first intuitive person I've spoken to, and it is an interesting gift to have. Very interesting gift to have. I've learned there are kind of different levels to it. And I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, sorry for my ignorance, but Mm -hmm. there's different levels to being an intuitive person um, of what you feel, how you feel and different things like that. But very interesting because I think the general public feels differently. Like we do like a visual inspection, but how you're feeling when someone walks in the room is completely different from what I'm feeling. Probably. And I'll be honest with you. I think we're all intuitive. I think it's Mm -hmm. a muscle. Like it's like, that's how I picture it is like, it's a muscle. And if you use it, then it's, it becomes stronger and it's built up. So we're all born being very intuitive. Mm -hmm. But as we go through life, we learn to quiet that. And we're either taught Mm -hmm. through organizations or um, mass religions to quiet that voice and listen out instead of Mm -hmm. listen in. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of tune back into yourself and then it can become much stronger. Exactly. You you are intuitive somewhere in there. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I totally agree because the world teaches you that too. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's why meditation is so hard for some? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think, well, I think it's actually super fascinating as people 
who have been raised very religiously. And I was raised Catholic and Jewish, just to give you a little background. So I have a big prayer background. And people mm-hmm. will often say to me, um, I can't meditate. And I'll say, well, have you ever prayed? Oh, yeah, I'm good at praying. I'm like, well, then you're meditating. It's the same. It's the same thing. We're just using different words. So exactly. I think we have a lot of ruminating thoughts. I think it's very loud, especially right now. It's very loud out in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think to quiet the mind can be there. It can be very challenging. I know some days I'm just mm-hmm. thinking thoughts like right and left. I'm like, thank you. I don't need you right now. Okay. Shh, thank you. Michelle, it's so hard. I sit here for five minutes and I'm like, oh, Shirley, did you write that date in your planner? Did you respond to that email? These are all the things, girl, that I'm thinking about. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you're meditating. And then if I think too deeply, I'm asleep. That takes practice. Because you're not alone. So many people fall asleep because we're tired. Like, we are just tired. Like, as part of our human condition, we're Mm -hmm. tired. And so when we finally get quiet enough, it's like, oh my God, thank God. And you're, you're out. You're, so it does I'm out. practice. So, so like, I'm, I'm still in practice. Crossover. I'm still in practice because either I can't keep my focus. And then once I do keep my focus, I'm sleeping. So it's that little window right there where I'm just where I need to be, but it doesn't last for long. The little pocket. That's why I do guided. I, for me, because I'm the same way, I have to do guided meditation. So I'm listening to someone kind of lead me. Because oh, if I'm okay. on my own, I will drift or I will have like what you have. I'll be like, oh, I have to remember to pack that for my daughter. And I have, mm-hmm. oh, don't forget that we got to go somewhere tonight. And oh, did I get the broccoli at the grocery store today? Like, yep. right? Like exactly. all the thoughts of the, the checklist goes through your mind. So I have to have someone else kind of like lead me. And if anybody in your audience has ADD, that's a good way to start. Like, because ADD uh, mind does not go one, two, three, four. It's a, not a linear path. It's 1A, Z, brown, cow. It doesn't work the same. And I have, I, I'm on the cusp of ADD. Um, so I understand how the pattern works. Gotcha. And so if you are ADD and you have tendencies, um, guided meditation is a really good way for you to start. Oh, and you know what? I just thought, so guided meditation is not an, so you're like at an expert level when you don't need guided meditation and you could just sit there and already be where you need to be or, you know, I, however, whatever position you're in, because I do guided meditation, rather it be a voice or sound. Yeah. And it has to be a voice if I don't want to fall asleep, because if it's just sound, I'm done. Michelle, it's over. I will be asleep (laughs) within like 15, 20 minutes. This tells me a lot about you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in practice. (laughs) It's good. It's good, though. I mean, maybe an expert level. That's cute. I've never actually even thought about that. You would probably be able to, I call it tap in, like you just tap in very quickly. And you can just zone oh. out very quickly. Oh, I like your words. Tap in, tap in, tap, tap in. in. They have that song. Like there's a too. current, an energy uh-huh. current that runs through. Tap but in. to me, that's expert because I cannot tap in like that because I cannot clear my mind. But I guess, well, well you know, well, I, we're all like deep into meditation. That's because I know I, I, I suck at it extremely. So whenever I talk to someone, I'm like, oh, anything that'll help me get better. <laughs> so let's start with your story, Michelle. I don't want to steal your show. Oh, that's okay. This was fun. I think people often, I think you're not alone. I think a lot of people have these feelings about meditation. So (laughs) you're not alone. So my story, where do we want to start with my story? Let's see. Um, you know, I she's think tapping in, y'all. She's tapping I'm in. Tapping in, guys. I'm tapping in. I'm getting, <laughs> getting centered here and grounded. I got my hands in prayer position here. Um, you know, my story really uh, goes back, let's see, 21, 21 years ago. I had um, a wonderful relationship with an ex-boyfriend who we were very good friends. We were actually friends from 12 and then we actually dated for three years and like I was 18. Um, But he was like my first really big love. And we actually remained friends after that. And he went through a period of extreme depression and loneliness and felt very isolated. 
from the world. Didn't feel like he could connect. I think especially for men, um, he had a very hard time being vulnerable in mm-hmm. the world today. And um, he actually ended up taking his own life. And that... Well, why you guys were dating? We were just... We had broken up. We are now we were friends. So, But we were very, very close. I was one of the last people he talked to before he died. I knew he talked about it for months leading up to it. And it was a common conversation of he wanted to die. Um, he was m- miserably, he needed, he needed a lot of help. He needed to seek therapy and probably be on, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I would assume he probably needed to be on some medication, but just the stigma around mental health for him was, and I guess this was 21 years ago. It's not that much better even now today, especially for men in society to really feel vulnerable and reach out for help. I think all of us sort of have that, like, am I okay? What if I'm not okay? You know, we Mm -hmm. compare ourselves on social media and whatnot. Um, And so he did make this decision to end his life and it was incredibly painful. I had to do a lot of grief therapy. And that actually brings me a little bit more forward because I found myself after sort of You're still from, affected by this. Oh, yeah. His birthday was a few days ago. So it's like. Yeah, so it's the very... reason I'm bringing this up is because <laughs> you can tell by her face, even though you guys cannot see us, but I can tell that this has affected her. Her voice change, her oh, eyes yeah. are holding back tears. So a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does still affect me. I'm, I think too, because I'm very passionate. It's why I became a coach. I'm very mm-hmm. passionate about the subject of mental health. It's why no one suffers in silence. You've read that today. Mm-hmm. I do feel like connection cures. You've already heard me say that. And so it's, I'm very passionate about yes. people not feeling like they're alone and that they can reach out and talk mm-hmm. to people about what's going on. And so it took me a long time to heal as much as I can. I don't know that I think suicide is a very different death. And those of your listeners who have are what I call like survivors of suicide, where you're left after the suicide of somebody, it's a very mm-hmm. different healing process than a natural death or an accident. I also lost a boyfriend to a tragic accident. So I had dealt with that kind of death before. Um, you're very fascinated. She's got her finger on her lip right now, you guys. Like she's like, hmm, what's mm. going on? <laughs> We could really unpack some stuff. I, mean, I know. We might have to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because it's like, okay, so the first boyfriend, yeah. was that your first, that was your first real love? Yeah, that was, that was my first like adult love. I had a high school boyfriend who we were like high school sweethearts, which mm-hmm. lovely man still to this day. We're friends. I've been, he's very lucky. Mm-hmm. He's a, a wonderful man. Um, and then this man, Josh, who killed himself, we were like, that was like what people in the woo-woo community, which I am very oh. much a part of, would say like, you know, soulmate, twin flame, like that sort of thing. I actually don't believe in soulmate, but that's what people would probably say. So gotcha. we were very, very close and connected. Um, how so. how far into the relationship did this man start talking about taking his life? I interviewed someone that he's a suicide coach. And this is something he thinks about consistently. It's an actual disease. I forgot the name. I do apologize. You could go back and listen to his episode, Frank King. But he was talking about this to you? He was talking to me. We actually, this is, so we weren't together anymore. We were just very, very good friends. But I was like his best friend. So we talked about it quite frequently. Yeah, every day we talked about, I don't want to be here anymore. It was, um, it was so eye-opening and such an interesting perspective. It gives me so much as a coach. It gives me a lot because one, I don't panic. Like you can actually talk to me and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be calling in all the authorities in that second. Like I definitely learned the difference between like, I, we, I need to talk about how I'm feeling and I'm scared and mm-hmm. I'm lonely to I'm actually really contemplating because I did see the progression. It took about nine months for the progression of the depression to really set in to this is going to be my next decision as I'm going to end my life. He actually had tried a few times before he actually killed himself. Um, The night before, actually, he tried to hang himself and it didn't work. And he, this is what always amazed me about the story was that he had like a bucket and he 
he just kicked the bucket out, but the rope was too long. And so the next day when he actually killed himself, he just lifted his legs. He didn't even use a bucket. So this man really, I mean, he wanted to die. He could have just put his feet down and just stopped but he, he wanted to die. And that always like really resonates with me as just that the real feeling, I don't know that I haven't gotten to that depth of depression mm-hmm. to be like, I, I'm not going to put my feet down and that's not going to be my decision, which I think is, it's a very, it's fascinating and so tragic in the same moment. It's, it's a little bit mind boggling. It's hard to wrap your head around really. It's hard for me to understand. It's still, even with you telling me, even with the interview that I had, it's hard for me to understand how someone wants and have a feeling of wanting to take their life, Michelle. Every day I wake up, even through the fucked up shit that has happened in my life, even through the bullshit, even on days where I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I don't want to <laughs> do anything. Yeah. I've never had the thought of killing myself. Thought of doing nothing is one thing. Being lazy all day, being lazy for days. I've thought about that all the time. But never taking my life. Never have I felt that low. It's still hard for me to understand. What is it that you're feeling? Yeah, I don't think, I think I, and I will never feel it. It's a question that can never really truly be answered because you can't answer something like that. It's really hard to put into words. I think it is. And I think unless you've really been there, like have had that moment where you think life, like an entity of life would be better without your presence, mm-hmm. it's very hard to relate to. And so that kind of brings me actually to like the second chapter of my story, which is like 15 years after his death, I found myself in a marriage that was very unfulfilling. I had a lot of shame about it, though. I felt like on the outside, it looked good. I had children who were healthy and thriving in school. I had a husband who had a job and we had a house. And on the outside, I looked like everything should be very together. And Mm -hmm. on the inside, I was slowly deteriorating into the shell of who I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I didn't know how to reach out for help. So I did all the things I thought I should do. Like we were talking about the check boxes, right? Like mm-hmm. I was working out. I was eating healthy. I was on the PTA. I was very involved with my children's lives. I um, was doing self-help books. Mm-hmm. I was doing all the things I thought that I should be doing. And I was miserable. And the shame of feeling that and the guilt sent me into a very big tailspin to where I was starting to contemplate, is life going to be better without my presence? And I remember I was sitting on the edge of my bed one morning. I'm lucky I work from home. I dropped my daughter off at school. I came home and we got this mass email blast. You know, they do now where they just send out these mass communications. Yeah. That another mom who was very involved in the school had drove up to a very popular lookout here in Northern California and she killed herself. And, you know, there was a big, big blast like about a, this. A, like someplace you could literally just drive your car over? Yes. she. I, I believe she ended up, I don't know all the details because it was very private when you're trying to protect the kids a little bit. So counselors came to the school. In this moment, I'm sitting there on the end of my bed and I thought, oh my God, like this woman had very much the same life I did. She was a mom. She was, had kids you in the same You remember seeing her. Yeah. And she made that next one decision. Like for her, that was her next one decision. Just like Josh, his next one decision was to not be here anymore. And I sat there and I thought, could that be my next one decision? Could I get to that point where that would be my next one decision would be to end my life? And in that moment, that one decision that I made was to pick up the phone and I started therapy. It changed my whole life. So I really got to see the dichotomy of how one decision really does. It changes everything. You know, these two people really chose to end their lives. And my next one decision was to reach out and get help because I knew that slippery slope of depression could end me in that place. And I feel like on some level, they both saved me because I got to see how that depression can take over. And before you Mm. know it, it's harder to see your way out just because I had witnessed that. It wasn't there that 
far yet. So I knew there's still hope and hope breeds certainty. And mm-hmm. so I, I reached out, I started um, therapy, learned I was a codependent and really um, changed my whole life, ended my marriage, um, started really loving myself, learning so much about myself, learned, tapping more into my intuition and really mm-hmm. leading from that place. And now I'm so much more grounded and authentic in who I actually am and what I'm about. And I share that now with coaching and helping other people really learn about that part. So a few questions based on what you said. So you were about 26 years old when you were with Josh. Now fast forward 15 years later. So now you're 41 and you feel as though your marriage was not fulfilling for you. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I was, let's see, I was trying to think. He was 29 when he passed. So I was younger than that. I was about 20. I was about 25, 25, somewhere around. I think you said 26. So So I was about 40 when you, I was about 40, like that 39, 40 area in my marriage. I, we were together for 18 years. So he was right after Josh Mm -hmm. before the gentleman who passed away from the car accident. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So now what was going on in the marriage? Was he, was he cheating? No, no cheating. So like, there was no things that like my grandma, my grandma would say, well, he's not beating you and he's not cheating on you. So what's the grandma? Just tell it like it is. He ain't beating you. I don't see no marks. Mm -mm. So is he cheating? Is he cheating? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, no, it was really more neglect. I was so lonely. Um, lots of neglect, loneliness. We had a lot of financial fiduciary issues in the marriage. Um, it was very much not seen. It was not heard. I really became like Were you a stay at home mom? No, I was working. I had another business before I was a coach. I ran uh, medical offices. Okay. So I contracted with other companies. And, um, I had a parts of my life that were very fulfilling. I loved being a mom. I love being a mom now. I love being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I had great friends. So I had things that were really wonderful. But this big portion of my life, my marriage, that I think when we all get married, we think we're going to be married forever. This is going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was not. And, you know, that really plagued me. And I knew very early on and I was going to stay for the kids, it was, you know, that's what we do. I'm going to stay for the kids. And my, I remember having a conversation with one of my really good friends, Rachel. She said, Michelle, your daughter's two. Like you're going to, you're going to stay until she's 18. Like, yeah. 16 and that years. was my plan. 16, <laughs> do you only have one? I have two. I have four now. I'm remarried. Um, so I have four all together. I have two of my own. Oh, four from his marriage all together. You guys have four. So I have, I have currently, I have four. When I was with my husband, my former husband, we have two. So I have. Former husband. Girl, you just threw me off. Okay. So who was, wait, who happened after Josh? I know. Before Josh, you had got married and had babies with somebody? No, 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 no. John, it's, well, here, let's do a little chronological line time. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Somebody killed themselves. I mean, somebody was, I had a boyfriend, Jason, who was killed in an act, tragic accident, fell off a rock. Out in Bodega Bay. Okay, move fell, forward. What? Fell off of a rock? Mm-hmm. D- to where? Like the rock the was high? Yeah. It was like a oh, very shit. tragic accident. So he fast. just slipped off of the rock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my God. I know, right? Okay. Okay, now we're fast forwarding. Then there's Josh. Now, Josh, I've known my whole life. But now we're in the section of like friendship, very close. He passes away. During, right during this time, I was already friends with my ex-husband. We uh-huh. were together, dated for nine years, married uh-huh. for nine. We ha- I had, see, this is very complicated. I understand this. Really. <laughs> I actually, in between there, I forgot this little nugget there. Go, <laughs> okay, let's yeah, go back. she said, I forgot nugget. something here. Well, this is, I know this is so funny. <laughs> okay, so there's... The man who was in the tragic accident. Then I was together with my my oldest daughter's father. So I do have a Before child Josh. out of that life. Yeah. And so I was a mom during the period of time when Josh was in his depression. So I have my oldest ah, daughter. I okay. always 
That says a lot, doesn't you it? Forget that, forget. You forget that, man. You've literally Believing. almost erased that human being out of your mind. This girl said, hold up, I got to step back here because I <laughs> forgot this one even existed. Yeah, well, he is not a part of our lives. And so he's, he's an alcoholic. He's not a part of our life. So I often, I almost feel like she's an immaculate conception sometimes because I'm like. But it's how you said it, Michelle. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> You know, but, you know, it's just like, hold up. I'm missing a whole human being here. <laughs> hold up. You know what? I forgot to mention my oldest daughter's father. <laughs> yeah, I know, girl. I mean, and I'm hoping there's someone who's relating to this. It's like, oh, girl, I wish I could erase, erase somebody, too. Like, don't we all have someone in our past? That we're like, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say regret because obviously, I mean, I have my beautiful, loving daughter who I adore to pieces. But don't we all have somebody that we're like, I mean, can we just erase, erase, erase that one? Yeah. Like the whiteboard, just, yeah. just erase that yeah. one. That would be nice. I totally understand <laughs> what you mean by that. Like there's certain people you look back, you're like, oh, with me, I only have children with one man, but I, I guess I could understand, especially if it's one later in life that disgusted you. But there are, there are individuals I had sex with and I'm like, oh, I slept with them. I don't even remember. Yeah. You're kind of like, <laughs> and you're like, what? oh, obviously I don't right recall there. shit. No, so no, it did don't... not have an impact for me. <laughs> no. And I mean, like, I'm grateful. Let me make sure I'm very clear. I am very grateful for my uh, daughter's father. I mean, obviously, I mean, there were wonderful things that again, we could have a whole other show about that. <laughs> but wait, do y'all even is daughter over 18? Is she like an adult? My oldest daughter is 23 now. Okay, um, so did you co-parent for at no. least the first eight? Ah, that's okay. So then that would explain why, like, he's just a fade, a, a, a vision, yeah. and he's he not remembered all the time. Yes, and I mean, like I said, we could do a whole other show on this because he was <laughs> around until she was about 13. But then his okay. drinking became really toxic, and she made the decision to cut him out of her life. And gotcha. since gotcha. then, it's just kind of been non-existent you so, and your daughter i get my, it my daughter, i totally my, get it my baby you and your baby so yep. okay so first okay. guy your daughter's <laughs> father then josh then, we have, we have then ex-husband yes and then my ex-husband is here who i have another daughter with um, one child with ex-husband one child of my ex-husband got it so um fast forward right so now we're in this phase um where it's, uh, it, there was so much guilt. And I think having had a child where I didn't, I wasn't with the father, I wanted to provide her with this secure foundation of a family and a home life. And I, I had for a long time. I mean, there was many mm -hmm. years where it was, he came into her life when she was a year and a half, mm -hmm. six months, really, we were, became friends. So there was so, I was really just like shattering. I was taking another man away. This, I, I messed up again. You know, there was mm -hmm. so much guilt, so much shame. I was like, darn it. I got it wrong again. Like mm -hmm. I remember sitting with my therapist and saying, I think my barometer for choosing men is completely broken. It's like smashed into pieces. <laughs> I, I don't, what, what happened to this barometer? So I did work in therapy quite a bit on how to choose the right man. Um, but really it was a more about repairing myself. It was really about breaking that pattern of what I was trying to do, which was like heal myself through other people. And I had to learn, I had to like really heal myself. Like it was never going to get that healing with whatever issue, dad, trauma bonding after Josh, you know, which is a very popular term these days, trauma bonding. Um, trauma but I bonding. was trauma bonding. Yeah. What does that, I haven't heard that. Trauma bond is when you have somebody that you have a similar hurt, like a similar trauma with on the inside. And you feel this innate closeness because you can relate. So like, let's take, for example, you both were in abusive marriages. And it's going to uh -huh. take a light one because it's been kind of heavy. <laughs> we'll take a light <laughs> issue. The light. I'm saying abusive light. marriage is light. That's ironic. We get what you're saying. Death <laughs> is, I would say, the extreme, especially taking your own life. So, yes. 
right? I, I get okay. what you're saying. Light. So you are both abused in your marriage and you bond over that because you can feel each other's pain. You know what that feels like. And so you bond over that is your common ground versus like values, friendship. I see. Okay. Commonalities. Okay. And so you feel like it's very strong because what happens, I'm going to get very scientific on you, is it triggers your flight, fight, freeze, or fawn response in your mm -hmm. amygdala and your brain. And so mm -hmm. it creates this energy pattern in you that actually resonates like mirrors in somebody else. And so you think that that's a connection, but it's actually attachment. And so there's a, you want to be connected, not attached. That's Interesting. I never knew that, but this is why you're a coach and I'm not the coach because I'm learning <laughs> from you. Okay, okay. Trauma bonding. I like that. Trauma All bonding. right. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Go ahead, Michelle. Okay. So I learned in therapy and all of that, that this is what I was doing. I was trying to heal myself through, again, you know, I am a PTSD survivor. I've had lots of trauma in my life as in childhood. I had a lot of trauma. So I was choosing men based on trying to heal myself. I was like trying to prove my value so that you would not leave me through being very codependent. So it'd be like, oh, look at how I can take care of you and look how amazing I am. And nobody really valued it. It was like, I didn't value it. I wasn't doing anything for myself. I'm literally just doing everything for everybody else. Mm -hmm. I had to really learn that that was not how you actually act and behave in a relationship. It took me, took me some time to learn that. Interesting. So when you say trauma in your childhood, what do you mean by that? Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, you want to go there. Okay. So we're going there. All right, girl. Yeah. You, you warned you me. Question. You, I know. I did pre-warn you. You don't know what I'm going to ask you based on what you tell me. I know. You brought um, it up. I was, um, I was molested by my mom's boyfriend. I was also held captive when I was um, babysitting once uh, by a man. The father was released from jail and... He showed up at the house when I was babysitting and I was, this was before cell phones. Okay. Hold there was up. no cell phones or Wait, like tracking. You went into, you left East Africa and I don't mean to make comedy <laughs> out of this listeners. This woman left East Africa. I just thought she was going to say, you know, my mother wasn't around or something <laughs> like that. You went into a whole nother field. I see why you're like, we could do part two. Let's just keep it to the relationship <laughs> with the husband and we you. will come back and reinvestigate the childhood later in a discussion. Okay. I see why when you first started off, oh, we could do part two because mm -hmm. that's a whole nother mm -hmm. avenue of discussion. I know it's a whole nother layer. It's a whole nother layer. It's a very rich cake that I'm making for you right now. This is very chocolatey cake that I'm making for you. It's got lots of layers with like ganache in the middle. I've got lots of stuff going on, girl. Like, <laughs> Don't even say anymore because you know what, listeners, you will have to come back and listen to the other episode that I'm going to invite her to so we can talk about the childhood situation here because okay. that's a lot to unlayer. Mm -hmm. Let's just continue with the ex-husband. Yeah. And okay. um, we'll Moving go on. from there. Yeah. So... so I know. <laughs> So I don't even really, know what's the next question I should ask. That was like, that took me by surprise, Michelle. I know. You know, it's something I don't really, I don't, it's so funny. Um, You know, when you're trying to think about like, what do you share with people? And when you have, and I know other people are going to relate to this, especially if you've had trauma in your childhood. Sometimes you're like, where do I start? I have so many little nuggets I could bring and we could discuss because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, can relate to a lot of trauma. But so, like yesterday. I talked yeah. to an old friend of mine, molested, not once, but twice, never knew. Yeah. One we in three girls. We were just reconnecting. Girls. Yeah. So oh, like, who, like, of your listeners, like think how many people, we did one in three. That's a lot of your listeners who have had some trauma or probably been abused, like molested or raped. Yeah. It's really oh, sad. Gosh. It's very sad. It's, it's sad. It's really sad. It's, it's just crazy world. Okay, However, so this gives you the insight and in why I made certain decisions because when you have sexual trauma young at age, this is very mm -hmm. fascinating. And for your listeners who don't know this, I, I find this part super fascinating. So what happens in your brain when you are introduced sexually at a very young age, this can be through anything. It can be through porn. It can be through anything. What happens in the brain is that your brain isn't actually developed enough 
to understand sexuality yet. It's too young. You haven't gone even through puberty. Even porn? Even yep. if you're not being touched? Even through mm-hmm. porn? Okay. Absolutely. So this is super fascinating. So if you haven't gotten your period yet, okay, or if you're a male listener, if you haven't, you know, gone through male changes, female changes, whatever changes, you have not gone through those yet. So you're still in adolescence. Mm-hmm. Your brain is not developed enough. And so what happens is the synopsis of sexuality is fired off, like doing is it a little zing goes out into your brain and it has nowhere to connect because that part of your brain has not been developed. And so it floats around and it floats around and it connects somewhere in the wrong spot. So it connects with love. It connects with food. It it connects with things that are already developed. And so you attach connection of sexuality to the wrong thing. And you have to learn how to almost like pick that up and put it into the right place. So it is almost not, it's not almost, if you're wondering why you've had patterns to all your listeners, Mm -hmm. if you wonder why you have patterns or why you've made certain decisions or why your barometer might be broken, Mm -hmm. this is why, because your brain has connected that dandrum. It's the synopsis that fires off and connects to a dandrum on the other side, being scientific Mm -hmm. right now again. Um, it hasn't connected in the right in the right place. So you have to like heal that and pick it up and move it to the right place. So it I'm goes into the sexuality bucket. Bit. When you yeah. say like the zing is connecting to like food or connecting to mm-hmm. a different part of your brain that has developed, can you explain that? So use the example of food that you gave us. Okay. How is sexuality and food connecting? Is right, it like sounds- again, I'm gonna say it in the ignorant way that I'm thinking of, is it like you might want to stick a banana in you or something? <laughs> oh, I didn't go there, but that was really, that's clever. No, it's more like, I mean, I guess you could say that, but it's really more like food addiction. So that you oh. crave food, you get comfort from food, you find um, compatibility in food or companionship in food. So for anybody who's a food addict, they a lot of food addicts actually have um, had sexual trauma in their past. And so, or a big trauma, usually a big trauma Mm -hmm. um, in their past. And so it just, it doesn't know where to go, but you connect this feeling, this intense feeling, right? And sexuality is a very intense feeling Mm -hmm. with something else that has an intense feeling. So it is often food or it is, it makes you hypersexual. So some people can be hypersexual from abuse because They've attached it to love and belonging. And as we know, that's sexuality isn't about love and belonging. I mean, there's a part of it that is, but there's also the physicality part of it. But Mm -hmm. your brain doesn't know what to do with that at that young age. And so it just, it floats around and floats around until it connects. And then it's like, oh, okay, I guess I should land here and I'm going to make a home here. And so then we use those things to feel love and connected. Those other things, food. Interesting. Very learning a lot, especially from the scientific standpoint. (laughs) Well, I think it's very interesting. I mean, it helps me understand like, oh, that's very interesting. And even if it's not love or if it's not um, food and it can be sexual. So if you're on that cusp, it can, it, it actually can be sexual. So for those people who are like, I didn't, I don't have a food addiction. It actually can trigger into sexuality where it starts it really early. Mm-hmm. And it starts your sexuality very early. So sometimes mm-hmm. it does connect in the correct place, but then it 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 almost like hypersexes it. It hypersexualizes it because it starts a little too early where you're really not ready to make all those decisions and have all those feelings about sex and learn really what connection and sexuality is about. It's more like this feels good. Like it feels good. I'm happy when I'm being when I'm attended to. When I'm being attended to, and if that connection is food, that's just a good example. Very interesting. And I've never thought of it like that before. That's how I know for me. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Well, we're definitely going to do a part two, guys. So you will see Michelle again, or you will hear Michelle again, and I will see her again. (laughs) Okay. So now ex-husband is out the picture. Because yeah. you didn't, you know, as grandma said, <laughs> there was no uh, physical abuse that she could visually see and he's not cheating. So yeah. the connection was broken and that's okay. That's all yeah. right. There was no connection there. So you moved on. Yeah. Now, 
You're 46. 47. I think, yeah, 47. 47. So now. Oh, wait, you, when I was getting divorced? Oh, I, was, I don't know how old no, I was. No, no, now. Now you're oh, 47. Oh, now I'm 47. But okay. you got the divorce, left him, and you've remarried. I did. And you have two children with this one. I do not have any more children. Those are his children from his previous marriage. Gotcha. I'm done. And that's the four. Me. Gotcha. So you have <laughs> two of your actual own, but yes. different fathers for both. Yeah. And he has two of his own, four all together between the two of you coming together. Got it. How is marriage life now after um, all this trauma and meeting this new husband? And you know what? One thing I take positivity in listening to your story is... You never stopped dating. You never gave up. Like even though your last marriage, 15 years, nine, you dated for nine, married for nine. I think you were together all together, 18 years. Mm -hmm. You you just moved on. Where most yeah. people, you know, are like, oh my God, I can't say anymore. I'm in my 40s. What am I going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, and I honestly like, I never gave up. I like companionship and I do, I believed, I didn't know that I was going to be married again. I mean, I'll be very honest. I didn't know that I was going to get married again. Um, but I do like the companionship of a, of a man. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I was open to it. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I knew what I wasn't going to sell for. And I had a very strategic list of things that I was mm -hmm. like, because I was very worried about a broken barometer. I mean, my husband, when we first started dating, had to show me his credit score and his lab results before I would really even entertain going. <laughs> and that's, you know what? That is okay. We all yeah. have boundaries that we set. I was on a last interview and she made a good comment. She says, for each relationship that you leave, you don't even realize psychologically you are bringing a small piece of baggage to each relationship you enter. So it's good that you set your boundaries like that. When I say a small piece, we're talking about, you know, a little tea bag of this one little trauma in this little tea bag that you got dangling. And then now you're going into relationship two and you don't realize that you brought that little tea bag with you. And, you know, the new partner will do something simple like, he can like throw his dirty clothes on the floor. And then all of a sudden, ah, you just triggered something now. What the fuck? <laughs> what is happening? Red flags. And it's probably from some situation from your first relationship. Um, my girlfriends and I call that rollies. Like we have a lot of rollies in the back. Like, you know, your rolly Yo, suitcases. You have you know, a name like, for, I love it. Yeah. There was another name you came up. Oh, tap in, tap in. Tap in. <laughs> Yeah, I call those rollies. Like, you know, when you like come into a relationship, you just bring all your rollies with you. Like, oh, yeah. like my rollie, this one's bedazzled and it's got like trauma in it. And it has like, you know, abuse. Oh no, this one. Oh, this one was like, um, and you know, we just label them because yeah. I think you do have to. And that's a nice concept to look at. I just bring my rollies with me, but that's, it's rollies. the truth. And you don't even you realize do. half the time you're doing it. And then. The person does something that's not intentionally meant to hurt you, but it's a trigger. Oh, yeah. Triggers are your biggest teachers. I love triggers. Triggers are great. Let's I get triggers the all triggers. the time. Yeah. All the time. They're great. There are times where I'm like, oh, today is one of those days. My husband's whole existence is bothering me. And everything from my past is like coming back. Surely, remember what he did? And I'm like, just shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. it's It can, it's. I think what's great, I think people who like um, Liz Taylor and Jen Lopez, like I know her personally, Jen, you know, Jen, Jen Lopez. Jen, Jen. Um, Jen has like, Jen goes from one relationship to another. This lady, Jen, I ain't got nothing against you, girl. You living your life. But do you, does she even give herself time to heal? Well, I don't know. But here's what I think that's great about her is that like, she doesn't give up. And I think, I think sometimes <laughs> what I hear from other people is like, well, I've already, I have two baby daddies and I, I've already been married three times. I'm like, so exactly. Why are you, so. what is you are? So that it makes you no less than anybody who is the Virgin Mary sitting there. Like Absolutely. you keep going. If you believe in love and you feel like you are worthy of being in a relationship, keep going. 
Because So I want to ask you something. Do you feel as though a little space in between is also healthy? Here's the thing. We don't have any rule book to this relationship shit. We're all floating here and handling it the best way we know how, you know, but yeah. just a little self-reflection. Do you feel as a coach, a intuitive, uh, intuitive healer, mindfulness teacher, do you feel just a, a little break just to regain your center is a good thing? Okay. This is, might be a little controversial. So I'm going to be careful when I say Oh my God. I love controversial. We don't oh, always oh. have to agree to disagree. We're not <laughs> no. always going to see eye to eye. That's okay. Well, <laughs> here's what I think. I think in a relationship, right, there's two parties. And there's usually one person who's doing a lot of healing in the relationship. That's what I call the breaker. That person mm-hmm. is doing a lot of healing in the relationship and might even be in therapy while they're in the relationship and they're working on their stuff. Mm-hmm. That person probably doesn't need as much time to heal after. I'm not saying they don't. I think I think it is helpful to take time to have peace, to gather your own peace, to really know yourself, to know what you really want, what mm-hmm. you value before mm-hmm. you go out and date. This is something I work on with people all the time. I tend to work with people in relationships quite often. Mm -hmm. And um, that is one of the biggest thing is know what you want, know what you value, know what your peace feels like, because that, that matters. You have to love yourself. You have, and it's so cliche, I almost don't like saying that, but you really have to enjoy your own essence in order for somebody else to really enjoy it so that you know when someone, when it feels off and your essence feels sticky and yucky or your peace is compromised, that's a huge red flag for you to go, "Mm, I don't know if I should be dating this person. But if you don't know what that feels like, you need to take a break to know what that feels like because you got, you have to be the one that provides that for you. And anybody who comes in only contributes to that, does not take from that. But oftentimes, like what you're saying, we don't heal and we just jump right in because we we're lonely and we want companionship. We're human. Mm-hmm. It's a human need to want companionship. So it's kind of like yes and no. It's not like a black and white answer from me. It's like if you have, if you know all of that and you leave the relationship, you might be more ready. I think the breaky, that's the person who gets broken up with, that person needs, that person needs a, a little bit more time because there's a lot of healing that goes on because sometimes you're blindsided sometimes you didn't see it sometimes you're just mm-hmm. hoping it's going to work so you're hanging on that that's a very different position in the relationship and that makes sense because the person who's breaking up with that person is already the dominant party who's in control and allowed themselves probably have mentally been thinking about this for god knows how long so now they're coming at that other party like an avalanche Yeah. I mean, I can say like in my experience, I'll just use myself as the example. I know when I left my marriage, I was probably ready more quick than the public probably would have liked. I think Mm -hmm. people were a little surprised how happy I was. I was so happy to be done with my Mm -hmm. marriage. And people Mm -hmm. found that very alarming. Like, why is she, shouldn't she be mourning? Like, was I supposed to be mourning in depression, looking like a hag and all crazy? For like a year? I don't know. Was there some like appropriate time. I don't believe in that. I really feel like you are responsible for your own healing and your, your own growth. And you know, when you're ready, don't listen to anybody else. Like if you are ready a month out and be honest with yourself though. I mean, if you're going out because you just want to have hot sex, okay, go out and have be hot honest sex with yourself. That's what you exactly. Need. Yep. Like, okay. But if you're looking for quality, then that might be something different. I don't know that there's a right or wrong. That's good. No, there's no right or wrong. And I respect your answer. And your answer makes a lot of sense. You said, know yourself, know, be what at peace. Value. And what was yeah. and what you value? What what are you, what are your values? I think so many people don't know what they're about. Like, what do you value? What do you value mm-hmm. out of life? What do you know? What do you value in a partner? That's really important to know. Like, Mm-hmm. I know for me, peace is a huge, it's like my number one thing. What do I value is peace. I, I couldn't deal with someone who came in with super drama. I'd be like, good Lord, please leave. 
Please um, leave. Please That's leave. why you're like, let me see your credit score because <laughs> you were in a fine, you did leave, you did mention about the little financial fiduciary mm-hmm. that you were in. So yeah. I understand why you had that boundary set. Please mm-hmm. let me see your credit score because I'm not about to get into this shit. No, seriously. And, and he, like, <laughs> he said that I was like a hard cookie to crack because I was like, eh. like we went out on our first date and I was like, yeah, he's interesting. Okay. He called his brother and was like, I'm either going to marry her or she's going to ruin me. I don't know which one it is, but, oh. and I was like, it took me a while, but let me tell you, once I fell, good Lord, oof, love that man. That's good. That's good. See, that's the positivity <laughs> I like because yeah. you're still looking at the upside of life. So what we're going to do, Michelle, is I'm going to cut a short because there will be a part two and you have a lot to share. So we're going to break this into part one. And if you want to hear more, you're definitely going to have to listen to part two because Michelle will be back so she can share the other part of her story that goes into her childhood. And then we'll talk about her business and her marriage now. So there's a lot of spoilers that she gave here in this episode. So you guys are going to have to hold on to your seats. So Michelle, I normally like to, you know, have you give a positive feedback to our viewers, um, viewers. No, there's no viewers or listeners, but you're going to do that in part two. <laughs> okay. Just, um, yeah. I mean, if yeah. anything, the takeaway from today is girl, you, know, you gave us a lot of nuggets. You gave us the that. nuggets of that whole, like for uh, when they're in their young adolescence, I never heard of that. Never knew that. But mm-hmm. it's, I love how you, um, the example that you gave us with the food example and you gave us the other example, but you broke the food example down. I never thought of it like that before. Never. Mm-hmm. The whole example of what I asked you about, how do you feel with JLo, uh, Liz Taylor, not giving themselves breaks? You know, it, there's no concrete answer here. We There's no rule book but I respect your answer. Is everybody going to agree with it? Probably fucking not, but that's okay. They have a right to their opinion. Totally. <laughs> so we're going to end part one with Michelle and we will be back with a part two so we can continue to hear more of her story. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, love yourself, voice yourself, and be yourself. Have a great one, guys. for tuning in to Fampale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week.